PyTest 6 is out, specifically 6.0.1 as of July 31st. I've been using it for personal projects since the release candidate in early July, and there's a lot to be excited about. And I'm pleased to have Anthony Sotilli here to talk about PyTest 6 with me. So thank you, Anthony. This episode is sponsored by Datadog and by listeners like you that support the show through Patreon. Thank you. Welcome to Testing Code, because software engineering should include more testing. Today on the show, Anthony Sotilli. But I was looking back. So you were on, so on episode 82, we had you on uh, to talk about lots of PyTest features. Uh, episode 90, we talked about dynamic scope fixtures. And episode 104, the top 28 PyTest plugins. So that was, uh, let's see, July of 2019, October mm-hmm. of 2019, and uh, March of 2020. Wait, oh. that was this year? <laughs> Feels like it was a century ago. Well, I may have recorded it earlier. That's when it was released. So, yeah, but, oh, that was, that was like right before the, like, you know, the apocalypse. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it does seem before like. Before the four marches. <laughs> It seems like a long time ago <laughs> before the four marches. Yeah. Um, or uh, what was it? Um, I heard Blur's Day. So every day is Blur's Day now. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, so I can't tell from the lighting. Uh, you had you had purple hair on Twitter recently. Was that just a temporary thing? or I do currently still have purple hair. Okay. Uh, my camera doesn't pick it up very well, but it's very, very purple in real life. Did you did you do that yourself, or did you go out and have it done? Uh, did it did it myself? It was part of the um, it was part of one of the uh, subscription incentives for a stream that I did. I tried to do a twenty four hour stream, which is I was a little overly ambitious about that. We got I think around sixteen hours of content from that, but like. Yeah, one of, one of the things we did was we dyed my hair. I also got my nails done. They're not, I've, I've taken the nail polish off, but um, we also did Korean face masks, which was fun, but <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a wild night. So you said we, was there somebody else doing this with you? Oh yeah, my girlfriend was, was here with me, but also yeah. chat, the, the collective that is <laughs> Twitch chat. That is we, yeah. Okay, so um, it's been a while since uh, people, I don't know, maybe haven't heard those at past episodes or maybe they have um let's do a quick introduction so for you you're you're one of the pytest core people mm-hmm. but uh but you also do twitch so you do a lot of stuff um so what do you do on twitch yeah so um my my twitch channel is anthony writes code and i spend a lot of time working on uh basically python software but also related tooling as well so I maintain a bunch of open source things, so PyTest is one of them, but I also maintain Talks, Flake 8, uh, Dead Snakes, I created Precommit, I work on PyFlakes, um, I don't know, I have like 50 other random tools that I also work on, um, but I, I usually just develop Python code and interact with chat and like try and try and provide an educational experience. When you say you started pre-commit, is is there somebody else mostly maintaining it now then? Or uh no, it's it's basically so I'm the primary maintainer. There's a couple other people that have commit access, but uh it's 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 basically just me. Um but yeah, there's also Chris and Max and Ken who have commit access. I can't believe that like how how much of a large percentage of the tools I use are things that you do. <laughs> yeah i mean it kind of works out that way it ends up being like you know i use a tool and i send a bunch of you know, fixes and improvements and maintainers are like oh well you know do you do you want to help maintain this and i'm i'm really bad at saying no so <laughs> i end up on the list for a lot of things yeah okay well one of those things is pytest um indeed yeah so then that's what we're going to talk about today because i'm super excited that uh, PyTest 6 is out. Um, and I've, I kind of like the way they did it this time. So in early July, they did, I think it was like the, actually the 4th of July or something. Maybe it mm-hmm. wasn't. 
Was it the 4th of July? It was right around the 4th of July. I was actually away on vacation, so I, I missed the release candidate release. But they, they did a 6.0.0 release candidate, which it actually caused a little bit of confusion, because if you did an update, you didn't get it, but you could spe- still specify the, the release candidate. And there was a couple ways you can get it. But um, mm-hmm. But anyway, it was available for people to try. And now it and it's still kind of cool. There, the the six now we have six point zero point one. That as of July thirty first, that's the most recent. Um, and like I said, I've been using it since early July, and for the most part. So I I I thought one of the things I would like I wanted to tell people was like how to upgrade, um, and what to do, mm-hmm. uh, if they're using five point four or earlier. So I was using. It looks like the last one was five four three. Mm-hmm. Um, how funny! It's just back, backwards order. But <laughs> yeah, I think I was using. I think at work we were using five four one at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, so uh, what I did was I just um, I ran my test suite just to verify that it was still running, and then I did an update to six, uh, like the normal pip install dash capital U, mm-hmm. um, to update it by test, and then I ran it again and made sure that everything was still working right. Um, the thing I want to, uh, one of the things I want to sh- tell people about is there's a couple of cool flags that some people don't run with, but I like to, is uh, the dash capital W error, which mm-hmm. turns, uh, I think I got that right, which turns warnings into errors. Yep, that's the right flag. Um, and then there's also this, um, because there's a, we'll talk about this later, but there's some some things that have been deprecated that are going to come out in 6.1. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, I think it is important for people to update and make sure that they've got all that stuff figured out before, before the update to, to 6.1. So yep. I think this was a gradual, like a nice, uh, sane gradual rollout of six, the uh, by test six features and deprecations. So, yeah, I actually think it went really smoothly and, and we're actually adjusting our release process because the release candidate stuff went so well. Uh, we found a bunch of issues from people just trying out the release candidate before it launched and so i think i think next time we do a large set of breaking changes like this so (laughs) to be fair there weren't actually that many breaking changes but um but the next time we do a release like this we're definitely going to go through uh release candidates as well we might even do them for minor releases as well it actually wasn't that much overhead to make it happen Um, and the really cool thing about most of the python ecosystem is that you can release a release candidate, and uh, most tools will not pick it up automatically. You have to manually opt in to upgrading to it, uh, which again is why there were so many options to upgrade to it. There's, you know, each tool has to have their own way to opt into pre-releases. Okay. Uh, but you know, once once you run the right command, you can test it out early and early and often, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So um, one of the th- uh, if you go to that, we'll put a link in the show notes for the release notes. And the release notes are actually, I'm just going to, I don't know why I don't have them pulled up right now. I do have them pulled up. They kind of go in the order of, I'm going to scroll down to the the release candidate release notes. That's where the bulk of these changes are. Mm-hmm. Um, they do breaking changes and then deprecations and then features and improvements, bug fixes. Improved documentation and trivial internal changes. Mm-hmm. Um, now I know that a lot of people. Uh, you should, totally should skim through the breaking changes just to see if see if uh, things are are uh, if they break for you. But I think just run it. Uh, yeah. Uh, focusing on things that broke. Um, I don't know. I get it isn't things that broke. It's so breaking changes are really just changes in the API that may affect you, right? Yeah. Okay. And in most cases, like our breaking changes are more for plugin authors than they are for end users. So, no, I, I think your uh, your proposal of changing the order of these actually makes a lot of sense, and we'll we'll probably discuss this internally. Oh, I was just thinking for this episode, I'd like to rather go through new features and improvements because that's what I'm excited about. Oh yeah, perfect. Let's do that. <laughs> new fe- uh, new features, improvements, and then go through some of the rest of them. Yeah, the other thing that we're looking for feedback on is we split the changelog from 6.0.0 to the release candidate so that it was easier to see which changes happened in which exact version. Um, But I I realize that a lot of people probably don't 
actually care that there was a release candidate, so we might squash those two together next time. Uh, oh, okay. We we didn't really decide that, and this was our first release candidate. So if people have feedback on that, um, let us let us know in the uh, PyTest issue tracker. I can probably link the particular issue as well. Yeah, and I, I don't know if it affects anybody except for like serious PyTest nerds like me. Um, but, uh, when Bruno announces like, or Bruno or somebody else announces, it's often Bruno, that there's a, there's a new, uh, a new release out. He he links to the change log, but for some reason, about half the time, the change log doesn't have the new version in it yet. So, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a race condition in how, uh, read the docs builds our documentation. And so... (laughs) sometimes it's up to date when we press the send button on the email, but sometimes it's not. Um, okay. And sometimes they build it and then delete it. So it's, it's a little bit fiddly, but oh, okay. you know, there's not much we can do there. I didn't really know what was, I, I just brought it up because I wanted to, was curious about that. So it's a, the docs are being generated by read the docs and you're kind of dependent on the workflow there. So. Yeah, we basically have a step-by-step. Well, actually, the step-by-step thing is mostly going away. We've mostly automated the parts, um, but the the email part, I believe, is still manual. And so, depending on the timing, it'll either be up-to-date or not by that point. Okay. So, basically, people like me, I've been thinking, um, don't freak out. The the change log is probably going to be there tomorrow. So, Mm -hmm. just just wait. Yep. Thank you, Datadog, for sponsoring this episode. Are you having trouble visualizing bottlenecks and latency in your apps and not sure where the issue is coming from or how to solve it? With Datadog's end-to-end monitoring platform, you can use their customizable built-in dashboard to collect metrics and visualize app performance in real time. Datadog automatically correlates logs and traces at the level of individual requests, allowing you to quickly troubleshoot your Python applications. Plus, their service map automatically plots the flow of requests across your app architecture so you can understand dependencies and proactively monitor the performance of your apps. Start tracking the performance of your apps, sign up for free, and install the agent, and Datadog will send you a free t-shirt. To get started, visit testingcode.com datadog. One of the things that changed I'm really excited about, but it's a little tiny little feature, um, is that like there was something going on with if you te- testing plugins or I have a section of the code section of the book talking about building a plugin. Mm-hmm. And one of the things you do, you can, you can use this for other stuff too. And I do use it for non-plugin stuff, but a plugin author often wants to uh, test their plugin by running PyTest and checking the output. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that process often is uh, with the tester um, or test path plug i don't know if you can do it with test path but at least the tester plugin um, yeah, the tester plugin is the best way to approach that okay the test or fixture tester fixture and then you call run pytest and there was a thing in there that would issue a deprecation warning oh yeah so, that warning was so annoying <laughs> and and uh so the workaround was to like hide you know hide that error mm-hmm. um or that warning but it seemed kind of hacky but yeah. anyway, so that's actually, gone. Like, super messed up with that warning. So uh, what was triggering it was PyTest internally was looking at all of the attributes of an object when it didn't necessarily need to, but it was part of like test discovery. And it was PyTest triggering the PyTest warning. So it wasn't actually the fault of plugin authors. Uh, unfortunately, there wasn't a good way to fix that without rewriting a bunch of the internals. And so... You know, the the warning just kind of will go away when we delete that attribute. Um, But the the reason it stopped in 6.0 is that warning has been turned into an error, and PyTest is ignoring that error now. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) It'll be completely gone in 6.1. You can actually still see the warning if you downgrade the error to a warning, but it'll it'll go away completely in 6.1. Just plugin authors won't have to do anything for that. Okay. But... In the meantime, there's enough of a workaround in 6.0 mm-hmm. that I that I don't have to worry about it anymore, right? Yep, definitely. Okay, cool. Um, but I, I I guess if I turn warnings into 
if you turn warnings into errors, it still shows up, or the other way around? The other way around. So if you downgrade the, the errors to warnings, it'll, okay. it'll show up. Okay. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. A... Like, you make it less severe, and now you notice it. <laughs> but it was it was a... Um, yeah. It's like, do I really need to teach people about this? Because it's like such an inside baseball thing to have to, to talk about, um, to, to just tell people how to test a plugin. Um, but anyway, so yeah, this is an unfortunate thing. Like, I, I'm actually not sure how it slipped in because our tests should have caught it, but it was this was one of these cases where like the warning stuff is a little bit fuzzy, and so it, it, you know, got into PyTest and got released without anyone noticing that this warning was suddenly triggering for all the plugins. So next so, time we're going to try and do this a little bit better. This is a, probably nobody else cares about this, but um, is this a, uh, is this because of, did, was it because of some of the, the re, reworking of the terminal, terminal writer or terminal reporter, or all that, do you know? So we did do some refactoring of that, and that caused us to notice that one of the attributes were just like not really used or like not used in a way that was, you know, sound. And so we deprecated an option in the five, I think it was 5.1 back when it got deprecated. Um, but yeah, it's you know, okay. an internal thing that's not really, shouldn't have ever been exposed publicly. Okay. Well, uh, I'm glad that at least there's a reworking workaround. Now to the more exciting stuff of some new features. Mm-hmm. So, um, and uh, I there's a whole bunch of new features. I just pulled out a few that I'm kind of excited about. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the I haven't used this yet, but well, I guess I've tried it. Um, one of them is that PyTest now supports uh, PyProject.toml for okay. configuration files. So the normal way for people, if you just have a bunch of tests and that's really it, you're not testing something else. It's not part of a package or something. It's just like, for instance, at work, I'm, t- I'm we're using PyTest to test instruments. So we don't have a package there or any other stuff. It's just a directory of tests we're running. Mm-hmm. Um, so PyTest any is the right way. I think the right way to do that, we could potentially use a PyProject.toml, but there's a whole, you can, you can also use a toxiny file or set up. I think it's setup.cfg you can yep. use. Um, I actually but, use setup.cfg myself. <laughs> but that's that's um uh the the idea is if you're already using one of these other configuration files, you can put your pytest configuration in there. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. So instead of making you have a separate any file or something. Mm-hmm. So and I like that a lot. Like to- um also talks any files. I think maybe I already mentioned that, but. It's neat that the so pyproject.toml, if, you, if you're using flit, for instance, or poetry or one of the other, or black, um, you now have <laughs> a, a pyproject.toml file and you can use that to, to do configuration mm-hmm. of pytest. The thing I want to like warn people about is the toml syntax is slightly, it looks similar, but it is slightly different than any file syntax. So um, just look that up. Uh, the, for for the most part, I just make sure that I use quote quotations instead of leaving the strings as raw strings. So yeah, because Tomal has actual types, and so you'll have to you'll have to quote some strings there. Yeah, but the documentation shows it's pretty easy. Um, yep. And the other thing to look out for is the presence of the pyproject.toml file will also change how pip installs your package. So just like a a little thing to look out for, but usually <laughs> it's not a problem. Yeah. Uh, the well, one of the things, yeah, um, I think I covered that with um, uh, with Brett Cannon when he was on. But the the thing that, that it's the placement of where it is that that gets me though. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, um, if I have got a pytest any file, I'm probably going to put that in my test directory, mm-hmm. um, and it's, so that's going to be one level below where your pyproject.toml is. Uh, right. So you. I mean, you still can use, you can still use a PyTest any file instead, right? Yeah, of course, yeah. So, yeah, the other yeah. thing with PyProject, so PyProject usually goes at the root of your project, whereas the PyTest any file can go basically anywhere you want. Uh, there is a setting in PyTest that allows you to set the rooter, so you could you could place it in the root of your project and say, like, your test's rooter is some nested thing, and uh, that would get you the equivalent of placing the file in that other nested place. Yeah. Okay, so what do we got next? Uh, this is my oh, favorite one. 
Yeah. The next one we're going to talk about. So PyTest now includes uh, inline type annotations and exposes them to user programs. Mm-hmm. So we've so, gone through and type annotated all of our functions. Uh, well, I say we. Most of this was Ran, uh, one of the one of the newest core devs, and Ran has put in like a monumental amount of work to make this happen. And um, you know, we've actually done like a lot of internal cleanup as well, just because we were type annotating our code and noticing like, oh, well, this case is actually impossible because the types tell us it's impossible. Um, but yeah, all of the user-facing fixtures are now type annotated. We're still worrying, or we're still working out how to expose these in a nice way, such that people can use them without importing underscored names. Um, but you know, all the all the types are there, so you can start like testing out the APIs and like making sure that your particular Python type checker is happy with this. So I use MyPy. There's also you know. The one from Google, the one from Microsoft, the other one from Microsoft, the one from <laughs> Facebook. There's there's a whole bunch of implementations of type checkers, but I think this is a huge step in the right direction and like sets a really good precedence for the rest of the Python community to like, you know, make make type annotations part of the API and like give people a good way to start type checking their code. So what does this what does this give us that we didn't have before then? So before, when you used PyTest code and you were, you know, either writing a plugin or writing tests or doing anything like not like super simple, uh, there was no way to do like static validation of whether, you know, does this attribute exist? Like, am I getting the right types from this? Or like, uh, you know, is my code type sound when dealing with PyTest? Because uh, most type trackers would just assume that all functions were any, which any has all attributes and is the instance of all types and it, it's a what's it called top type bottom type <laughs> i'm really i'm i'm out of my depth on type theory but uh, any is basically like a squishy object that means anything uh, but now that we have actual types exposed you can do static validation of you know am i calling this correctly is this the actual you know api that's expected here like am i using the objects correctly and you can do that all statically before you actually run your test suite. Uh, now, I would argue, <laughs> I, I go back and forth on this, but I would argue that it's actually less useful to type annotate a test suite because, you know, you're just going to be running it. And if if you run and it fails because of a type error, that's still going to be a test failure. Uh, it's not going to be like a production issue that like, oh, I accidentally misused this object. Um, but there are cases where like, you know, typing your tests will actually, you know, improve your test suite. Like one example that I found is like, um, if you're calling a function in user space code that, you know, takes a particular type, but your test is always sending none, uh, you know, you're not actually testing a real scenario that would happen. And so it's often good to like notice that in your test and adjust that. Uh, but I think the biggest one for, for uh, actual consumers here is going to be for plugins using PyTest primitives. And they'll be able to do better validation that they're using the objects correctly. Yeah. Okay. Um, also, just, um, I mean, for plugin authors, you sometimes the documentation isn't enough, and you got to look at the source code. Yeah, for sure. And so the source code is going to be more verbose because it's got the types in there, and that's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and you might not have to dig as far. Um, the other cool thing that you'll get out of this, speaking of like having to dig into documentation, is if you're working with an IDE like PyCharm or you know VS Code to some extent, it will be able to pick up these type annotations through the language server, and you'll be able to get really good tab completion and um, you know have have the attributes at your fingertips without having to either dive into the function signature or the code or the docs. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, very cool. Um, then, then also we can probably just, um, huh, neat. Yeah. Because, uh, PyCharm is really working on, uh, I assume VS code is also, but mm-hmm. I, I pay more attention to PyCharm lately, mm-hmm. um, of, uh, trying to, to support fixtures and everything. So the built-in fixtures, hopefully will, it'll help you be able to use them better. Yep. So yeah. PyCharm also has their own type checker, which is great too. <laughs> Well, I guess you know you've made it as a company if you're writing your own Python type check. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, now the next one, I'm 
this was funny when it got, got announced because there's some people that are not that excited about it. Uh, there's a new couple new command line flags, uh, no header and no summary. Mm-hmm. So uh, when you run PyTest, uh, normally uh, you get some stuff at the top to tell you what, what PyTest version and what plugins you're using and some things like that. And then at the bottom, there's a summary of a summary report. Mm-hmm. Um, you can turn those off now. Yeah. Um, the the what the gripe uh, with the, having that ability, what the downside is, if people use that all the time, sticking it in any file or something like that, then it doesn't. It if you don't do that because when you try to submit a report or or a, a defect report or something mm-hmm. nobody can see what's wrong yeah um, it's gonna be harder for us to see if people submit bug reports with no header for instance yeah so why i'm excited about it is for people that write about pytest um um we've i've had to write my own thing because if i'm showing a whole bunch of examples of pytest running mm-hmm. having that same information repeated over and over and over again is just taking up space on yep. the page um, so, uh, I, I've, in the past, I've had a script that I would go through, uh, all the, the, uh, markdown files that had code, code samples in there, code runs and, and strip, strip all that out. stuff. Yeah. And now I don't have to do that. I can just right. stick this somewhere and, uh, it'll be there. So. Yeah. I was actually kind of excited about no summary myself. There was kind of a way to simulate it in old PyTest by passing a particular dash R flag. Um, but this is a nice, like, concise way to just be like, no, I, I don't ever want the summary. Just like, <laughs> leave it out for me, please. So yeah, so I the sum I was excited about the no header, the no summary. I don't get why you would want that. Um, so <laughs> one reason is uh, we recently changed the default of the summary output to include warnings and errors, and it gives like a few more lines at the bottom of the uh, terminal. Uh, okay. But you also see the test failures right above it. So my my argument for it was that uh, you know when I'm when I'm running a test, I want to see my test failure as close to the um, as close to the actual you know terminal that I'm typing in as possible. And I would have to scroll up you know five or six more lines to get past the summary to start seeing that error. Okay. Yeah. So you still you still see the failures then, right? You yeah, still you still see the failures. Yeah. Okay. I mean, and the little line, the summary line of like how many, how many passed, how many warned, how many failed, stuff like that, it's still mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is actually pretty cool. Yeah, I'm glad this is here. This is cool. neat. Uh, what do we got next? Uh, looks like next we're talking about the new warning when there's an unknown key in the configuration file. Uh, this one, <laughs> this one I think is long overdue. Uh, but it's also kind of annoying, and we've already gotten a lot of reports of people being like, "Oh, I got this output, and like, what's going on here?" Um, so I think we actually need to improve the the messaging here a little bit. Um, but basically, if you have a config file and you're trying to configure a pytest option, and maybe you typo it, or maybe you forgot to install a particular plugin, uh, pytest will now tell you that that option is not actually an option. Uh, mm. Kind of give you like a you know. I wish it gave you a better hint at like, oh, well, this might come from a plugin or like um, this might be a typo. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're open to improving the messaging there. But basically, it should reduce the like, I added this option, but I it did nothing kind of kind of problem. Yeah. And the syntax, I mean, uh, uh, that catches me sometimes because the the command line flag and the any option are in the configuration option sometimes are spelled different yeah and sometimes there isn't any option and not a configure or there is a config option and not a command line flag and sometimes it's the other way around so there's sometimes some inconsistency there yeah yeah i I think that's good and then uh, uh apparently there's a so it gives you a warning but you can turn those with strict config you can turn those into errors um and then i didn't conclude this but i think uh oh uh there it is the next one uh this will help um a required plugins configuration option um uh, because like you said sometimes plugins can actually add options too mm-hmm. so you would if you didn't have a plugin in, in installed then then that uh the option would look like a mistake mm-hmm. and you'd get a warning um but it might be that and so 
Um, I think it, this is great. So what was the behavior before? If you, um, <laughs> there was basically like two things that you would run into. The one that I would see the most often is like, uh, you would be using adopts in your any config to add the like xdist options, and pytest would just be like, I don't know what this flag is. Error every single time you run pytest. Uh, but now it'll like you can you know say required plugins pytest xdist or it might just be xdist. I forget the actual syntax, uh, and it'll say like, oh well, you haven't installed this plugin yet. Here's how to install it and stuff like that. Okay. Oh, that's actually I'm I'm totally gonna add, start adding this because there's a handful of plugins we use, uh, and it's wrong if somebody. What probably happens? We also have like a little uh, requirements file for people to install mm-hmm. all the plugins. Um, and what probably happens is people don't know they have to run that, and they just install PyTest and start running. And yeah, I do that so, a lot. <laughs> Forget to install a plugin. <laughs> yeah. So this is good, and and so especially if if you're you're using uh, plugins as a as not just an not like a nice features or um, features that are just decorative, and there are some of those like uh, uh, but like PyTest emoji. Um, <laughs> Uh, I don't think your test suite would change, but there's uh there's other things that uh, plugins are definitely a required part of a test strategy. So this is a good place for that. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, for like timeouts or like you know distributing tests or like any of the plugins that provide fixtures as well. But yeah, there's all all sorts of plugins, and I think required plugins is a really really good feature. That again, a lot of these are like, wait, we didn't have that already. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like timeout is one that I just always install now, um, mm-hmm. for instance, uh, because I mean, I guess for, for a lot of software only projects, there's a possibility that you wouldn't need it, but code can do infinite loops. Uh, so mm-hmm. having a, having a, an option to say nothing should, not sh- nothing should go longer than this. Kill yeah. it. If it does, it's a good thing. No reason a test should take 10 minutes, right? <laughs> <laughs> well. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm laughing about that too because I, I know of quite a few tests that take more than ten minutes. Um. Well, so that's my that's the the end of the the list of new features that I had. Is there any other new features that you wanted to talk about? Oh, you covered the one that I was most excited about, which is the uh, the um, type annotations. We'll actually talk about one of the small breakages later, which I actually think is a feature more than a breaking change. Uh, but we'll get to that one later. Okay. Okay. So the next uh, category of, is improvements, and my favorite improvement is that you can pass uh, you can pass the output. You can pipe it to things like uh, less and and uh, and head and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's supposedly it's things that uh, other other processes that close the pipe after they're done with them, and that was causing a problem um, uh, with PyTest. And I, you know, actually, I ran across this, and it was a, a it's a jarring error that happens. Um, and uh, and this, so this is fixed. It's uh, it was around the problem did occur in five four, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know how long the problem's been there because I could have swore I was passing. Out, PyTest output to things like head and things like that before. Um, so the problem has always been there, but it's sometimes flaky based on how a, a process consumes the buffer. There's actually, this is actually a really annoying thing about Python in general in how it treats pipe failure on the standard streams. Um, I would, I would actually argue that the standard stream should, you know, eat the pipe error and just like consider that the end of the file. Um, but Basically, every tool needs to implement the same change that PyTest had to do here. Um, and I I know that I have like, you know, 40 tools that don't do this. And so they run into exactly the same problem. Um, but basically what happens is the process that you're sending your output to uh, will terminate. Like maybe it only needs to read a few lines from input or maybe it, you know, uh, crashes or something. But like, it will stop reading the input. And when that process closes, it closes the standard in stream. And that closes the standard out stream of PyTest. And then PyTest tries to write to standard out and uh, gets SIGPipe, which is you know, the, the, the Unix signal that 
or the POSIX signal that says like, okay, this pipe is closed, you can't actually write to it. And Python by default treats or turns that into a IO error. And that's that's where you would see that as an end user. But now we're just basically catching that IO error and saying, you know, ignore it. This is just how Python does streams. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. And anyway, so you can you can mostly use PyTest like any other standard out thing and pipe it its output to stuff now. Yep. Which which you could before. I mean, I, you could pipe it to grep. Grep didn't do that. Yeah, you um, could. So what, one thing that you could do to cheat this in older versions is you could pipe PyTest to cat, and that will force it to flush the entire output into cat, and then you could pipe cat into some other executable. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that that just forces it to read the entire standard out. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. So I, it totally makes sense if uh, if you're passing it to like head ten or something, it mm-hmm. just would just read the first ten lines. It doesn't need to read the whole thing. Of course, it's going to just close after that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, interesting. But yeah, it's way better now. <laughs> okay. So this one, I, I'm curious about the next one. Uh, improved precision of test duration measurements. Mm. Um, so I know I can get these if I say, like, dash dash durations 10 or something like that. If I, mm-hmm. And what, what I think that does is... Uh, actually, I don't know what that does. It I think that's the, the, 10 most, the 10 slowest tests will show up. Okay, and then you, and then you also have to pass it in dash vv to actually show the durations. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, is there are the durations used for something else other than this? No, nope, it's just for displaying on the command line. You, I think you can access them in plugins. Uh, I don't really remember, but basically, we improved from having only I think it was tenth of a second, and now there's like microsecond resolution. Um, okay. But you can you can better like it doesn't doesn't say anymore. This took zero seconds, which was not necessarily super useful for for most people. <laughs> zero seconds, it's fast. It's super speedy. But yeah, yeah, it could have been like 300 milliseconds, and you just wouldn't have known. Okay. Uh, next next up is pretty cool. Uh, the uh, rich comparison of data classes and address classes uh, is now recursive. So mm-hmm. if you've got uh, classes with classes the, with classes um which usually go, do right <laughs> yeah which uh so it'll go down the line and compare them down um but so one very cool and two uh i was surprised it didn't already do this um, yeah it was just like a little thing that was like well we'll do this if it if people find this useful and uh we weren't sure whether we we're going to keep the rich uh, comparisons for these but people seemed really excited about this and actually uh Someone, uh, an external contributor, is actually working on adding this for name tuples. So we'll have another way to have one of these data class-like things have uh, rich assertion support. Oh, okay. Yeah, that'd be good. Uh, for um, I, I use name tuples all the time. Yeah, I, well, I love name tuples. <laughs> I, I use them. I use them <laughs> in basically all my projects. But um, yeah, I'm, ex- I'm excited for this as well. I, I have been trying to use data classes more, um, but uh, name Tuples are more uh, supported by more versions of Python, so mm-hmm. that's good. Yep. Um, I I kind of like the next one. It's a little uh, it's a little it's a little bit of an oddball. Yeah. Uh, is that the if you if you type pytest dash dash version, you used to get a whole bunch of stuff, mm-hmm. and now you just get the version of pytest. Um, and if you want all of the other stuff again, you add another version, which. <laughs> Yeah, this is I, this is I, this is my fault, entirely my fault. Um, this is based on the uh, version convention that the Python command uses, specifically Python three, uh, where if you pass dash dash version, it gives you just the very simple version. But if you do version twice, uh, or three, or four, or however many more times, it will give you more information. Um, the story behind why we did this is actually kind of interesting, though. Uh, in older versions of PyTest, if you had a plugin, well, actually, there were kind of three things that, that caused this. If you had a plugin that crashed on startup, you couldn't actually ask PyTest what version it was. And so people would make bug reports and they'd be like, well, I don't know what version of PyTest I'm using because PyTest version is crashing. Um, another thing that would happen here, and this actually ties into the required plugins and like the unknown configuration option thing that we saw before, 
um, PyTest-Dash version would also trigger all of the additional command line flags that you may have set in your INI file. And this could cause you know, PyTest to not actually spit out the version when you, when you meant it to. Um, what was the third reason? I don't remember the third reason. But anyway, uh, Dash's version now no longer goes through plugin initialization. So it's it's just going to spit out the version and, you know, basically basically should never fail, you know, knock on wood. But um, And Dash's version, Dash's version will give you the old output, which does the full plugin initialization and stuff. Oh, okay. Actually, so that's even more cool than I realized. It's, uh, it's the the shorter version um doesn't do as much work then and it mm -hmm. and it will run more of the time yep yeah oh. it should help us with bug reports too <laughs> but yeah okay that's really good to know then that's great and there's i mean there's people all over the place that are supporting there's a like you know a, one or two of the people on the team that are PyTest people supporting the rest of the team and it'll help them too mm -hmm. like well did you install PyTest correctly? What version are you using? I don't know. It's crashing. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, the uh, next one, uh, also, I care about this. I don't know how many other people do. Um, the dash dash JUnit XML now includes an exception cause when in the X, in the message XML attribute for failures during setup and teardown. Mm-hmm. So uh, the the before uh, before this uh, the the if it was a failure happened in setup or teardown or basically one one of the fixtures uh, actually I don't know this um, does this apply to fixtures as well I think it well <laughs> I don't actually I don't, use JUnit XML so I'm not really sure okay. but I think it also applies to fixtures okay uh, this this is definitely a, was a problem for me so the reason why I use J JUnit XML is it's one of the ways to get an XML output that um, that Jenkins can read. So if you're yep, using always Jen for Jenkins, <laughs> hmm? it's always for Jenkins or other CI providers. Um, this is why I actually don't know anything about it because I'm not using Jenkins at the moment. <laughs> yeah, so I'm in in like that corner of people that both uses uh, use Jenkins to drive PyTest, and also we push a ton of functionality into fixtures. Hmm. Um, so uh, we like to have, um, I like to have as much, uh, a much, as much work as possible in fixtures so that, uh, so that the, it's only the, really the thing that I care about that's in the test. Hmm. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, and when you've got very complex fixtures, there's lots of failures that happen there. Uh, so having, having that information there, that's a cool thing. I like that. Cool. Um, Again, that's the end of my list of uh, improvements. Um, uh, any others you wanted to add? I mean, I was mostly going to talk about the the pipe and the the version thing, so I'm I'm glad we covered both of those. Um, uh, one of the things I really love that uh, that is included in the the change log is a section a section on improved documentation mm -hmm. uh, because uh, often I, I think it's getting better, but. Um, uh, documentation is uh, massively important for mm -hmm. open source projects and for all software projects, really. Uh, but um, so having some some uh, calling out the improvements in documentation, I think, is a great thing. I actually uh, really love this section because it gives us the opportunity to, you know, commend the people that are contributing contributing non code to PyTest and like give them a way to be like, hey, look, I I did this thing in this big open source project and. You know, give them give them a shout out in the actual change log. Yeah, and uh, and there's there's stuff. Uh, um, actually, uh, there's one here that I forgot to add, which um, which was uh, apparently there was in the the startup um, startup getting started with PyTest sort of stuff. Uh, it wasn't really talking about the dash Q flag for quite making. You know, ah, we have, yeah, I remember this we, issue. We have dash V for verbose, but we have dash Q for be more quiet. And apparently that was missing in one of the bits of documentation. So, mm -hmm. um, and then I went and looked at the change, and it's like you know one line. Of, it's like a very small change to the documentation. Yep. But when people are starting out, that's that one little extra thing is important. So, yeah, definitely reduces confusion by adding adding that one little line. Uh, and then the, so the couple of things I liked was uh, uh, some I haven't read these changes yet. Mm -hmm. Explain 
one of them was explain indirect parameterization and markers for fixtures. Um, so is that two things? Uh, explain indirect parameterization better and explain markers better? So it's kind of both. They're also like very closely related. The change is mostly about making indirect parameterization less confusing. I'll be honest, I'm still confused about indirect parameterization. <laughs> so this this uh, this documentation change, actually, I was like, oh, oh, that's how it works. OK, I get it now. I have to go read it. Yeah, it was like it was even it, actually just a few months ago where I'm I had a question at work about indirect parameterization. I'm like, OK, I got to figure this out. So I spent like three hours at, on a weekend and just like played with indirect parameterization until I felt I was comfortable with what they did. and. Like, oh, okay, I finally get it. It's really not that complicated. It's just hard to explain. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so, and I'm not going to try to explain it here. So maybe I'll do that. <laughs> that could be a whole other episode, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then there was a, a note about, uh, uh, about dash strict and dash strict markers mm -hmm. um, and the preference for the latter one. So strict, what does strict markers do? Uh, so it makes it so if you use a marker in your test and you don't have that defined in your configuration or a plugin has not advertised that marker, it will be uh, an error. This is to help you not have typos in tests because otherwise markers would just silently allow those. Um, the reason that we're documenting the, the difference and the preference for the latter one here is uh, we're planning to make dash dash strict turn on all of the strict options in PyTest in a future version. And that I mean that I think that's a breaking version change in PyTest seven. So when it, whenever that comes out, um, okay. But right now, like dash dash strict accidentally does prefix matching on some other option, and so we're we're going to be changing the meaning of that option. So we wanted to document that you should spell it out in full for now. Okay. Yeah, Let's, we should probably get together all the all of the different strict options. So yeah, nice. having one that turns them all on is probably a good thing. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, so right now it isn't okay. So if you don't do, if you have a if you don't declare a marker in, in a config file, um, it still does a warning right now. Yeah, but this will turn uh, it into an error. Okay. Yeah, the warning actually, that's one of the things I have to explain to people that are reading my book because that wasn't the thing when the book came out. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> brand, brand new warnings yep yeah anyway so uh good good changes to the documentation and i love that and i i love calling it out and i would love to have um uh, more people uh, jump on and try to help improve documentation i didn't see a whole bunch of stuff in the bug fixes there was a, there's a lot of bug fixes and a lot of there's a few deprecations mm -hmm. uh most of the deprecations are for plugins so i'm you know I'm okay if we skip over those. There's yeah. a lot of bug fixes in this change release, um, although we've backported almost all of them to older versions of PyTest, and so you'll probably get them one way or another, whether or not you're upgrading to 6 right now or you're sticking with the the 5.4 release. Uh, but there's a ton of them. You've backported the bug fixes or backported the bugs? Backported the bug fixes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we reintroduced bugs in the older version now. Um, but yeah, we're we're doing more of a like uh, support based release branching. We actually changed how we're doing releases probably since the last time we talked. Um, okay. But this gives us more flexibility to you know do a single branch development model and you know have your maintenance branches separate and backport changes to those. So um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of bug fixes here. I don't know if there's any that are super noteworthy though. So do. Does that mean we'll get more versions of like like bug fix versions of three seven? Um, I'm Maybe? not sure. We haven't okay. done any old releases in a while. I think the only one that we did for extended releases was for the four dot six dot x branch, which is supported Python two. Okay. Um, but I believe we're stopping that at the end of the year. We haven't really decided whether we're doing uh, minor or like previous minor release support uh, yet. But we have the, the structure in place if we wanted to. Okay. Actually, I scrolled down too far. But even like fi like the 5X might continue with some fixes then or something. Maybe. We're, we're Maybe. not sure yet. Not sure. Okay. Um, the uh, Why did I write this stuff down? So the uh, breaking 
breaking changes. We uh, uh, haven't talked about that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, I know why I wrote this down. So the one of the things that we we actually talked about this right away. Um, the there's a whole bunch of breaking changes. Cha- actually, not a whole bunch of breaking changes. There's just a few. Just a handful, like you said, yeah. a lot of them are um, plug-in authors will care more about, mm-hmm. but often. Uh, I think the the workflow I think is to to run to the same workflow as everything else. Uh, yeah. The uh, download six uh, or you know use use five point four point three the yeah five four three mm-hmm. uh, run run your plugin tests um, upgrade to six run your plugin tests again if everything's fine you're probably fine if it breaks then go and look at this deprecation list and see. Or this breaking changes list, and see if there's something yep. that you uh, uh, you care about. So the the um, the thing I'm highlighting like a couple of them. One of them is the deprecation pytest deprecation warnings are now errors by default. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do this I, every major release. We um, you know in the in the minor releases we accumulate new warnings, and then at 6.0 we turn those warnings by default into errors. And then, you know, the major version dot one release, we delete the actual functionality. So it gives you a little bit of extra time if you needed to downgrade those to warnings to like get a new feature in the 6x release. Uh, it gives you some time to adjust to that. But okay. um, yeah, so every major release will have this, <laughs> essentially this change log entry. Yeah. And then we're going to link to there's, and then there's a special page that talks about deprecations and, and removals. So we're going to link to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and like we said, I, I think for the most part, it's, uh, people that are, uh, plugins that are doing some, some fun stuff. Yeah. We also um, deleted a lot of internal stuff. We found a lot of dead code that people might be using accidentally or incorrectly, um, that, that we noticed like when we typed stuff or when we, uh, ran some dead code protection. <laughs> oh, I'm just, I'm looking at one right now, um, that I didn't list, but, um, it's a uh, removed the pytest doc test prepare content hook specification. This, is <laughs> this with, <one's> great. <laughs> with the note that says this hook hasn't been triggered for the past 10 years. Um, <laughs> it's great. It's, it's code that hasn't been run since before I started writing Python. <laughs> but there's a hook. You could write a hook for this. It just won't ever get called and it hasn't been called for a long time. So. Yeah, that's funny. This was one of the ones that we noticed. We're like, wait, what is this hook? Oh, it doesn't actually run at all. Great. <laughs> uh, okay. So um, the next ones you've added, I think, uh, okay, one of them, I, I understand this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the test run, uh, tester run, we talked about this already. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the thing you get back, you can say parse outcomes. The outcomes list is now all all the nouns are in plural form, like errors, uh, passes, and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. And it it tried. Some of them were non-plural. If it was just <laughs> one thing before, yeah, it was uh, very inconsistent before. Like some of them were pluralized, some of them were not. Some of them were sometimes pluralized, and we've just we've made it all consistent now. Yeah, and yes, the English looks weird. I have one test, one test, pa- one tests, or one passes. Uh, or one failed uh, failures. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the English isn't great, but it it really is. It's hard if you do it the other way. Uh, you're often writing like automated stuff to like parse the outcome of that, and if that's going to change the name all the time, that's annoying. So, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I I would say that's not a breaking change. That's an improvement. Um, but I yeah, guess it's, we we noted that like people could be using this as an API, and so it's. You know, could technically like what's the XKCD comic where like pressing the space bar heats up the computer? <laughs> like it's it's one of those <laughs> sorts of scenarios. <laughs> okay, so uh, the next one uh, dash K and get dash M internals were rewritten to stop using eval. Mm-hmm. So it's- this will change some of the invocations of dash K, which is to select individual tests based on a name, and dash M to select tests based on markers. Um, the internals of this were pretty wild and resulted in a lot of really hard to read errors and they were using eval to figure out their actual values. And so like you could do some really wacky code and like 
end up with test matching that you wouldn't really expect. Or you could, you know, trigger arbitrary code as part of, you know, dash K. And we wanted to, one, factor out eval, but also make all of the error messages and functionality, you know, straightforward and easier to understand. Uh, I'm actually really, really excited about this change because it, you know, it, it makes dash K work a lot more sane. Uh, there are ways where you could say, like, you know, the wrong combination of and or or and the eval trigger would jam those all together and, you know, run every test when you didn't really want that. Uh, but now there's like a, a little mini grammar grammar that um, dictates how these two flags work. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah, so the, that if people aren't familiar, dash K is the keyword flag, I guess. I don't know why they call it keyword, but um, I, it does, that. <laughs> I think it's keyword. But anyway. It does. Um, so, like, let's say it it searches for a string in the in the test name. Mm-hmm. So, or it's not just the test name; it's also the entire node name, right? Yep, and it's also attributes on the test, which I learned recently as well on accident. Oh, attributes on the test. And it's just undocumented right now. Okay. <laughs> um, but you can say things like like let's say I've got um a bunch of tests that are I've like added the name of um. I don't know um, the remote or something mm-hmm. like that for my remote test. I can I can use that, and they're just in the test name, so they're not like marked or anything. I can just say, you know, run all the tests that have remote. But I can say, oh, but not like, but not the ones that also have this. Or mm-hmm. you, there's this logic in there. And then the dash m is the same sort of thing, but with markers. Um, so you can say, I want to run all of my all my tests that are that are marked with like. Uh, regressions uh, marker and but I don't want to run the ones that are slow or something like that if I've marked them that way so um, can you I, I think you can do this can you combine k and m yep, in you can combine one? k and m okay I actually think dash k is one of those flags that's like this is one of the most important features of of getting past the basics of pytest and like once I understood how dash k worked like it was super powerful like for instance I mean you gave an example uh, one example that I use in, in the test suite for Precommit, for instance, which has a bunch of different programming languages, is I can just do dash k node and it'll run the JavaScript test, for instance. Or I can do like dash k Ruby and it'll run the Ruby test. Nice. Super powerful. Yeah. Um, well, I've got, uh, that's the end of my list of things I wanted to cover for PyTest 6. So, I think we're good. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited about the future of PyTest um, we brought it up a little bit. Uh, I wanted to do a special, uh, a special thank you. So thank you to everybody that's contributed to PyTest in the past, including Anthony. Thank you. Um, also a special, I really want to give a special shout out to Bruno Oliveira because, um, he's been contributing. If you, if you look at like the entire history on GitHub, there's like, I know that the the project was somewhere else. It was on Bitbucket or something mm-hmm. um, before. But if you look at like the contribution graph uh, for the entire history of on of PyTest, if you look on GitHub, it shows like Holger because Holger started the project uh, a long time ago, way back. Then. Uh, um, but his contributions sort of dropped off at around the same time that Bruno's ramped up, mm-hmm. and Bruno's been contributing for a long time. And uh, and I it w- I think it would definitely be a different project without him, for sure, for sure. And then uh, Ran Benita, we talked about uh, his contributions this this year. He's um, uh, to the type checking. He, I think he also added some of the flags for like uh, the uh, no header flag. Mm-hmm. Um, Ran's um, been doing a lot of stuff. He's been he's been really kicking butt. But this just started like a, I was looking at his history about last july so he hasn't been on the project for really that long and uh has been doing a lot of contributions so very very cool um yeah, he's been doing an exceptional job i'm i'm really impressed with Rand. uh that's great and uh and then but there's so many more if you look at the contribution list it's a it's a big list mm-hmm. um and like uh and i was just even talking about commits but there's there's people that that help uh help submit bugs that uh, do uh, testing the betas, testing other uh, the um, the RCs and everything else, mm-hmm. all that stuff's important. Uh, it's a really cool community. And thank you, Anthony, for coming on the show today. And yeah, no problem. Always happy to be on the show, and always happy to work on PyTest. 
Thank you again, Anthony, for joining me today. And thank you, Datadog, for sponsoring. Visit testingcode.com slash datadog to get started. And thank you to all the listeners that support the show through Patreon. Join them by going to testingcode.com slash support. Those links and links to the changelog and a couple other things are at our show notes at testingcode.com slash 125. That's all for now. Now go out and upgrade to PyTest 6 and then go out and test something.